again. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We are Hello. in court and welcome to Environmental Podcast. This is our podcast where we talk about different aspects of sustainability and the sustainable transition. Um, if you like this kind of content, please remember to like and subscribe. Yes, we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> and today we are very excited to be joined by Nick Steiner, who not only works for an organization called Climate Farmers, but also is the creator of Permanick. It's all about uh, permaculture. So thank you so much for being here, Nick. It's a big pleasure. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Yes. Oh my goodness. So I guess, can we start off by telling us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. Um, yeah, maybe it makes sense to, to go back a few steps. Yeah. I think around 15 years ago at some point. Don't remember exactly how it happened, but I kind of realized that maybe sustainability makes sense and we should take care of our planet. Um, yeah. And that was a very deep rabbit hole that I didn't get out of uh, since then. And <laughs> yeah, one of, the, one of the big things that I believe in is that it makes a lot more sense to get together with other people and to organize yourself if you want to get stuff done. Um, and what I kind of observed is that the let's say forces globally that get the most done are organizations and most often corporations unfortunately they're often using their energy and and power for not the most productive but rather destructive uh, operations which is a bit of a pity but i thought like hey why can't mm -hmm. we use the uh, that force like why can't we use business to do useful things like why do all businesses need to be so destructive um so i studied i studied business and then realized that big businesses have a big problem of becoming more sustainable because they're yeah. so deep into their business models and into everything and it's it's tough for them to to kind of get out of that yeah. so i thought like okay maybe we need to start businesses from the ground up that have a positive mission so then i went more into entrepreneurship um studied that with a focus on innovation and yeah during that study i, I stumbled across permaculture regenerative agriculture and this whole world and then I realized like oh wow um, a lot of other people have thought about this and there are ways of of living differently and ways of regenerating and you can also do that um, through businesses in a positive way we can regenerate uh, the world around us we can do it in a way that's good for us good for the planet good for animals we can produce everything we need so yeah why isn't everyone doing that and so then I went really really deep into that rabbit hole and that was around like six years ago or something and yeah I'm, I'm still in it and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface yeah I think we can relate <laughs> um yeah marketing and you know greenwashing it's like greenwashing like is the marketing for sustainability and we just thought no, we're not going to do that. We're going to put our time and effort into working with people who like you are like you that are doing things for good and actually changing the planet. And it definitely makes a huge difference. It's more fulfilling. And I think you're right about like, the deeper you go, the more you realize like what you don't know and what's possible and how you can uh, like expand and grow and connect with other people and yeah it's it's amazing it's mm -hmm. amazing we've been doing environmental for what court two years 
maybe yeah. yeah almost two years and I also feel like we've just scratched the surface totally yeah there's so much to learn and there's so many different perspectives and different kind of very specific ways that everybody's approaching these these issues but um we've learned a lot throughout this process we've learned a lot about regenerative agriculture but never from we've never quite seen somebody who offers a solution like climate farmers where you're really bridging the gap between you know folks who are very well versed in regenerative agriculture practices and traditional farmers so there is yeah. so much potential there for like just really beautiful transformation so um, i'm really really stoked to learn more about what you guys are working on yeah do you see a lot of pushback um i think what what we've observed or the kind of journey that i've been on particularly has been quite interesting because coming more from the kind of permaculture side which can be quite extreme so it's it's often about okay we need to build these tiny farms um fully fully self-sustained um sometimes mm -hmm. you have even the extremes to say you shouldn't use any machines like even though that is not in the original idea of it um but it's definitely a camp that goes rather against conventional agriculture yeah. so in in a lot of permaculture teaching you have that all of all of this agriculture that involves tractors and this kind of stuff should be banned and yeah. the issue is that that's not quite realistic. Um, so what we've learned also over the years with climate farmers, when we first started, we also came from this from a perspective of like, okay, let's let's change everything. Uh, let's not plow our fields anymore. No more no more chemicals. No nothing. Just put some cover crops. Um, put put some protection on your soil in the form of mulch and, and compost, and everything will turn into into butterflies, and we'll have enough food for everyone, and everyone will be happy. The issue is just that this reality takes time to develop <laughs> and it's not yeah. so easy. Um, and so what we observed at the beginning when we were focusing more on the, we are only doing this for the climate and um, basically trying to, let's say, convince uh, convince these farmers, there was definitely pushback. They were saying like, what do these hippies want? Uh, I have an operation to mm -hmm. run. I need to feed my family. Uh, this uh, this is just not realistic and so yeah. what we learned over the years is that it's all about dialogue and it's all about listening so we spend incredible amount of time just talking with farmers learning from them and and figuring out okay what are the kind of roadblocks they're facing what are the problems and what we learned over the years is that it's it's often in a in a similar direction and most of these farmers they are not happy about many of the things they're doing on their fields but it's really tough like agriculture is incredibly tough and when you have your field and suddenly you have you have a pest pressure and you have something that is about to eat your whole harvest and you're just thinking like you invested insane amounts mm -hmm. of money uh, money into it then sometimes they're forced to to use techniques that that might not be the best um, in the eyes of environmentalists and so what we learned to to do in the sense is look at it more as a process and that's also what we see is so important like we need to speak with farmers specifically the bigger industrial ones who are willing to adapt it's it's definitely a process and now we're working with with many of them who say like hey my goal is every year i want to reduce my chemical usage by 10 percent. i want to plow a little bit less i want to increase a bit mm -hmm. more the the cover crop mix 
um, yeah. that I'm having. And we're seeing that this, this is the route to go. Like it, yeah. we, we need to get away from this. On the one side, you have like the permaculture hippies. And then on the other side, you have the, the industrial farmers totally. they are constantly fighting. So yeah, yeah, I think that's the main thing. We need to work together. We need to learn from each other. We need to see what works. We need to see what doesn't. And then slowly transition agriculture in a way that can work long-term. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, we all have the same goals, right? We, we want to eat. We want to make sure, like, I don't know any farmer, whether they're in a, like a traditional ag, a permaculture, a big farmer that actually just is like, I don't care about the nature. I don't care about the environment. I don't, I don't farmers don't feel that way, right? They, they, everybody's just kind of coming at it from a different place. And I think that's really cool that it's incremental and that's what a transition is, right? You can't like wake up tomorrow when when stop everything problem solved. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this this um, wake up tomorrow stop everything. That that's the main thing. What we observed a lot, like you have a lot of farmers who were farming in conventional ways, so industrial farming, and then they wanted to stop overnight and they wanted to go what is called organic no till. So basically, you completely stop plowing the yeah. field, but also you completely stop using any kind of pesticides, herbicides, anything. But that is really tough because soil is getting kind of addicted to what we what we put on it. And we often see that, yeah. that especially if, if every year you're fertilizing quite a lot, like you're putting a lot of um, like chemical fertilizers on your fields. You're also using a lot of pesticides, herbicides. Like for this soil to regenerate, it takes some time and you need to do it slowly. Like the, the ones who try to go cold turkey, wow, that, that was quite tough. So um yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting also for us to, to get away from this dogmatic and extreme side and more towards like, hey, hey, farmer, let's talk. Like, what, what do you need? Yeah. And, and how can we do this together? Um, but, but also the, the big issue that we're also seeing is if you want to go towards a fully regenerative farm and you want to build topsoil and you want to get away from using any kind of fertilizer, these kind of things, quite often in the first years of that transition, yields are, are going to go down um you might yeah. not have the same as before because basically yeah you've been putting a ton of fertilizer of course that grows uh, that grows more mm -hmm. and if consumers are not willing to then on the one side maybe get products that don't look exactly the same all mm. uh, all shiny and and beautiful that you would get from from perfectly uh yeah the same gmo monocultures and especially if you are transitioning to region ag it costs money like it's not just happening overnight and and it's not free and if consumers are not willing to pay at least a bit of a premium how are farmers supposed to to transition how are they supposed to finance that and i think that is that is one of the main things uh, that we need to get better at is like hey farmer like we are willing to support you and we're also willing to support you financially yeah. how how do you, how does that work? I, I wouldn't know, except for like, you know, I live in, in a farming community, so I could probably, if I really put the work into it, like really go find the farmer, that would be, it would be a, a bit of a challenge. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of people, I'm thinking like middle America, or let's say like um, the middle of Germany, maybe not the middle of Germany, let's say, because that's farm, but let's say Berlin, like, how would you how do we help consumers communicate with the farmers? That that seems like 
a challenge there? Yeah, I think um, this probably goes on, on different levels. So on the one side, you have the rather small scale farmers. So what is more like a market garden. So there you often have it starting from, from half a hectare, maybe, maybe up to five hectares focusing mainly on vegetable production. They often have a CSA model, so community-supported agriculture, where yeah. basically they have a very close connection to the people who, who produce their food. And what I would say what is kind of the, the dream state, so to say, is there should be a community, a community garden everywhere. Like Everyone should be able to get their produce from from one of these market gardens close to them like th that would be ideal and we don't have long distribution channels we don't have centralization yeah sure um i think that makes that makes a ton of sense so and there you often you have this direct direct connection there's a farmer's market often where they where they sell their products um or you you deliver um to the home so i think this is one of the most important and easiest connections and then on the other side it's often goes a little bit further where you have someone in between, like some distributors. And there it's it's also a mix. Like you have some of these larger farms who also then go more into, into producing their food um, for for consumers. One of the one of the best examples there is a company called Pasture Birds uh, or Pasture Birds, depending on, on how you pronounce it. Uh, excuse me for being German there. Uh, but basically what they're doing is they they looked at at something that is called a chicken tractor and generally the idea there is you have chickens that you move constantly so you have them in one space and instead of having one chicken coop where they're always in the same space you constantly move them so every day basically they're getting some fresh uh, fresh plants and fresh soil to, to scratch mm -hmm. it to get that and this was only done on a small scale. So there's, there's really small chicken tractors. You can do that kind of in your, in your backyard almost on, on a very small farm. And what they thought is like, hey, can, can this also work on a larger scale? And so they built these giant ones. I think by now they have hundreds, if not thousands of chickens in one of these movable, movable coops. And every day they're moving fully automatic. Um, and the chickens can choose. Like they can also go outside if they want to. Um, but every day they have fresh soil uh, and fresh grass underneath uh, underneath them. And, and yeah. that's beautiful. It's working. And, and it's working at scale. And I think this is because you asked about the connection to consumers. This is beautiful. Like this worked on a small scale. Someone thought like, hey, how, how can we make this? How can we make this bigger? And this is one of the great steps. But now consumers also need to be willing to say like, hey, I value this quality. This is much better food. This is produced in a much better way. I want to have this rather mm -hmm. than the shitty chicken from the from the supermarket. Yeah, yeah, and you know I think there's enough consumers out there, but there has to they have to know about it and be looking for it and be hearing about it, which is like you know our mission. How can we help people make their gold, these things louder so that people actually learn about it? But yeah, that's a challenge. It's a challenge for a farm. It's a challenge for people who are dedicated to farming, aren't dedicated to marketing, nor should they be, right? <laughs> but like, there is that really important communication bit right there that like, um, you really need to, to focus on, I think, to grow 
any of these ideas and, and really make a difference in the transition, right? Yeah. Yeah, people need to be aware of the options that are out there so that they can know and strive to do better. <laughs> if they don't. Yeah, well, I also think this this goes um, kind of both ways. So so on the on the one hand, you can look at the producers, the let's say larger scale operations and farms that want to slowly transition towards this. But this also starts with each and everyone at home. Like you can you can yeah. start growing things um, where you are. And I think many people say like, yeah, but I only have a balcony. Like this this doesn't work. But but it absolutely does. And I think that's that's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. Like think about basically what what are you using what are you consuming where is it coming from yeah. and just by having this mindset shift that can already do do a lot so you can see okay the yeah. food that i'm buying like where am i buying it from so that's one of the things and almost everywhere you either have have a regenerative farm close by or some of them also shipping now um, for a bit further but you can also if you have a balcony if you have a small terrace you know just put a few seeds in the ground, like put something into pots, like you can grow in pots. It's, it's super easy. Like you really don't need a lot of space. You can think about the waste you produce. And what I think what is most important also what, what people tend to forget and what I believe is going to be the, the major focus in the coming years is our use of water. Like it's just people yeah. always take it for granted until they don't have enough or until there's too much. And the way we designed our homes, the way we designed our, our cities, our landscapes, they were just made in a way that is far from optimal when it comes to water. And so that's also why, why I put my focus there because this is what we need to be doing. Like we really need to look at every drop. We need to look at how can we use every drop of rain when it comes from the sky? How can we infiltrate it into the soil? And how can we prevent it from turning into erosion or turning into floods? And yeah, mm -hmm. I, I feel like this is, this is the one thing we need to get right and it will solve so many other things. Yeah. Yeah, we read a book about that too. It called Water Everywhere. Um, and it's about, I can't remember the name of the woman that, that wrote it. We have an environmental about it, but that it's exactly about that. To understand your water, understand the environment um, and like really think about it. That's, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we had, um, we had a, uh, let's say like a surge almost an in interest for it because over the last years and specifically this year, the summer have been severe droughts in Portugal and Spain. Mm -hmm. And we are working yeah. with, uh, with lots of farmers in that area and they are kind of our early, let's say our early warning system because they are the first to notice it. If there's not enough rain for, for a certain time, um, yeah, suddenly there's either less production on the farms or in some cases you might even fail with the whole harvest and yeah. that's quite devastating but the the beautiful thing is that this is nothing new like we have solved water issues for for thousands of years we just kind of forgot how to do it because suddenly pumps and pipes and everything became so cheap uh, that we didn't need to be smart about water anymore but yeah th this knowledge now needs to resurface and this is what what needs to happen and i think um slowly it's it's happening and it's so beautiful to see the farms that are then realizing hey let's let's change our systems let's let's become more water yeah. smart uh it's it's happening and it's beautiful to see how fast you can regenerate with water wow. so I, I mean like i guess i just have a general question 
what like what what are the types of of farms that are kind of coming to you looking for information like well, you, I guess who are those folks are they already interested in the transition or or where are they in their journey I suppose Yes, um, I think this is also an interesting development that we observed with climate farmers. At the beginning, we were really focused on the ones who were, let's say, like the, the really committed um, pioneers in the space. And many of them were rather small. So this market garden field, like they were the ones really, really leading this. Um, because on a small scale, it is simpler than on a large scale to apply these principles. Like if, if you don't need to do it on hundreds of hectares, it's much easier to put out compost, uh, to put out cover crops, uh, to, to have these things in, in operation. Um, and so that's, that's what we started with. But then over time, we got more and more into, let's say, larger, more conventional farmers. Because on the one side, as I mentioned before, like water is a, is a big issue. So many of them are realizing, oh, um, somehow my harvests are getting worse every year. I'm losing a lot of topsoil, uh, topsoil. I can only keep it up with, with a lot of um, artificial nutrition with fertilizers. So they're seeing like, oh, maybe this might not work on the long run. Um, so that's, that's um, one side. So many farmers are, are seeing, hey, we're, we're having issues. We, we need to become more resilient. Um, they definitely approach us. But then increasingly, we have a lot of farmers who realize that it's just more profitable to be regenerative. Um, because also there, the main thing is your yields might go down a little bit, but if your input costs, because you don't need these expensive yeah. inputs anymore and you don't need to run so many, uh, so many turns with your tractor with all the other operations, if your input costs are so severely reduced, even a smaller yield leads to much higher profits. Uh, and so we have a lot of yeah. farmers who also come, come to us now who said like, hey, I would, I would like to have my operation more profitable. And then a large part of this whole regenerative movement is not just about how you work the soil, but also the mindset and figuring out what is called the context of the farm. So it's about realizing what do I want as a farmer? What do I want for, for my family? What do I want for my land? How would I like to, to live in the future? And that often helps them to make a lot of decisions where they then realize, oh, maybe I should uh, change a few things. Maybe I, sh I should adapt something. And I think that that's, that's the other side. And then also we have an increasing number of farmers who say, I've farmed like this um, my whole life, but it's not really fulfilling anymore. I'm working so much. And many of them are just tied to commodity prices on, on the market. And, and they're really suffering now also with increased uh, input costs. It's, it's really tough. And they're realizing that the children are not very keen on taking over the operations because they say like, hey, mm. I'm seeing how much you're working. And you don't really seem very happy. I'm not sure if that's the life I want to be living. So many leave the farms. But then because of a lot of great things like Kiss the Ground, for example, the, the documentary that was just yeah. really, really yeah, great. great. And it, it opened so many eyes. And now many children are saying, hey, if, if our farm would change and if we would turn it into a regenerative farm, I would love to take it over. And so there we have either the mm. children who approach us and say like, hey, I want to do this. How do I do it? Or we have the parents who say, I really want my children to take this over. Um, can you support me in the, in the process of getting there? And so, yeah, yeah the family dynamics are, are huge in, in this transition. Yeah, 
That's fascinating. We actually, um, in October, we met a sustainable wine producer in October who is a generational farmer. And it's ex it was exactly that story where he, uh, he was the one that was like, I want to be more regenerative. And so he has um, started with the chicken tractor, like you mentioned, and he, and I don't think he has a tractor. I think he just has like chickens that go around during springtime. Um, but he, he really has like totally changed the way uh, their farming is done in Portugal uh, towards sustainability because he wasn't excited about the conventional wine farming. So that's, that's such a cool trend that we, yeah, it's cool to see that that's, it's common. It's, it wasn't just um, that one example. Yeah, it's, it's happening. And I mean, on the other side, one thing we really don't speak about enough, but uh, I'm sure it will also happen much more in the, in the coming years is nutrient density of the food. So many times when soil is really degraded, um, Mm -hmm. basically it's it's just a medium that's holding roots and all the nutrition is coming coming from from chemical fertilizers there's just not mm -hmm. a lot of nutrient density in that food but if you have a functioning soil a healthy soil it's full of microbes full of beneficial microbes full of fungi full of earthworms the the nutrients that can be taken up by the plants through the roots and and through that interaction in that sphere it's mm -hmm. just they taste completely differently they have different texture and the nutrient density is incredible so they're so healthy they're so much better and that's also something we are observing um, where we're seeing the trend will likely go towards that and there are now companies working on making nutrient density measurable and this is something hmm. that we are very excited about like once that is hitting the mainstream you don't need any labels anymore because then you don't need to say this was produced in this way or in that way you can just quickly measure and you can see which is the most nutrient dense food, which is the most tasty and amazing food. And very, yeah. very likely consumers are going to prefer that compared to something that's, I guess the best case is, is a lot of lettuce where it's basically green water but without anything in it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have somebody on that is working on making nutrient density measurable. I think that, that would also be so cool is really I, I think that's also really an interesting way of kind of framing this issue too and I think that it would it would help get people who for whatever reason are feel that like organic or you know like is like politicized I live in America it's a weird time um <laughs> but there are people who fundamentally like don't want to buy organic produce because they think it's more like they, they politicized it essentially, but putting through things in terms of like nutrient density, you can't really politicize that. It's just sort of like, okay, buy the one that tastes worse if you want to, <laughs> but it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I think it's, it'll be a lot easier for people to just, I don't know, really um, look at those on their face value and then not think of them as some sort of weird political issue. Exactly. Fantastic. I think, I think this is, this is what it all comes down to. Like in this regenerative movement at the moment, it's kind of a very important and deciding time because what needs to happen is regeneration needs to be outcome-based. So it needs to be about what are the outcomes of what is happening. 
Like, are the people regenerated? Is the soil regenerated? Is the food uh, produced in a regenerative way? So this is what matters, like what comes out of it and not so much how you do it, not so much the pathways. There are some people who go the route of strictly organic, but maybe then they have to do some strategic plowing at certain times or some minimum tilling. Like there's different strategies to, to just basically have the farm operational. Um, and then you have the other side who say like, I really don't want to till my soil. So I really don't want to move the soil. I want to keep it intact. Mm -hmm. But at some points, there's such a high weed pressure and I need to save my harvest. So then sometimes they're using chemicals to do that. And they're reducing this slowly year after year with, with changing their cover crop mixes and, and with all these operations. And I think this is the, the important thing for, for regenerative agriculture that we need to see, okay, we don't just put a label on exactly how you do it. What we care about is what comes out at the end and yeah. what is there for, for, for our soils, but also for, for us as consumers, like what ends up on our plates. And if everyone is moving in the right direction, um, I think this is what we need to be doing. And we need to work together rather than against each other. Absolutely. Wow. And how much healthier would we be as individuals if we actually knew information about like nutrition, like nutrition of our foods and not just how they were produced, right? The means in which they were produced doesn't necessarily matter as much. It does for some, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, the end result, that's really, really interesting. Oh, I'm yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think one thing also that that comes to my mind quite often is on the one side, we have the issue of food is getting much more expensive. Like it's, um, yeah, really really hit quite hard with inflation. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. seeing a lot of memes about egg prices in the U.S. I'm not yeah. sure if it's actually real or if it's just memes on it's the internet. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one thing we're seeing this issue and also we're seeing a, a decline in food quality which is which is quite bad on the other side we have a lot of land that's that's empty or not really used and then we have a lot of people who don't have jobs and who are looking for jobs so i'm constantly mm -hmm. thinking like hey why can't we combine those like yeah. people always say like we can't have small scale regenerative farms because they're too labor intensive but nothing is as fulfilling or at least i can only speak for myself but nothing is as fulfilling as planting something and then harvesting it later and seeing how it grows yeah. and eating the food that you grew so why don't we support people in setting up lots of small urban gardens lots of small community gardens where the people who would otherwise not have anything to do or, or have trouble finding jobs like why can't they grow food for their communities and I think that's a movement that, that needs to go much further because on the one side, we have the large farms that need to transition, that need to become more regenerative. But if we can have these small community gardens where everyone gets together, where mm -hmm. you meet your neighbors, where you work together on the field, you work outside and you grow food for yourself and for the people around you, like what's, what's better for community building and, and for our health? I think that, that needs to happen much more. Wow, I yeah. would love to support such legislation if that was an option. Absolutely, it's yeah. A, yeah I think I think legislation be... is one thing, but but also specifically with this, it might make sense to look on on the other side. Like, why does it need legislation? So you know why yeah. it all it needs is just a few people who say like, hey, let's do this. It needs True. someone yeah, who says private. I have a bit yeah. of land. 
hey, do it on my land, maybe pay me a little bit of rent for using the land. But I think this is also quite beautiful in this regenerative movement. Um, many people realize, okay, we can wait for, for politics and laws to change, but that's yeah. slow, that takes forever. And then you're always waiting for someone else to, to solve it. So yeah, why not get together and just start doing it? Yeah, I think that's really cool. That's a really cool idea. You could connect with somebody. Um, when I think about movements, I always think about uh, our friend Maya over at Green Amendment. She's working on getting like um, amendments in, it's the US constitution now, but it could be anywhere uh, that, that say people are um, have a right to clean air, clean water, uh, clean land, you know, clean, a, a safe environment. And I feel like connecting with the states that have, that have already passed those amendments, right? They're already there and saying like, hey, here's another, here's a way to like connect with this movement. The state clearly cares. So let's start small regenerative farms and maybe even set up a forum where people can like, now I'm all excited, where people can like say, I have land and then other people can be like, cool, I want to farm. And then, you know, you'll be like, cool, feed me. And then you can use my, my property, right? Um, I would do that. <laughs> I, exactly. would, I would love exactly. that. 100%. I think that needs to happen. And that's also one of the one of the things we're, we're doing a lot with climate farmers is we have our community. So we have lots of different groups depending on the production systems, but also there they get together and someone says like, hey, I have this one issue. Has anyone solved it? Or I'm looking to cool. solve this with, with this. Like, can someone help me? And then they're meeting. It's, it's so nice. Like we, we organized the conference uh, for the European agriculture scene for two years. And then just now years after like we're still getting pictures of them meeting all over europe and yeah that, that's beautiful that's it's so all nice. about bringing bringing people together and just seeing what happens when you bring people who who have a mission and people who want to do great things you just need to bring them together and then magic happens absolutely i think that's so beautiful i love it and i love that we get to talk to people who are like really doing the work like you guys are at Climate Farmers. This isn't, we're not just like having a pie in the sky conversation right now. Like this is real work that you're, that you're doing. We're really seeing changes to the agricultural system and, and making it possible. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I think this is, this is what's needed. You know, you always need a few crazy people who just think like, Hey, let's just do this. Let's just work on this. And then something happens and we're noticing it now. Like, we even now had meetings with the agricultural minister and we were invited to the European Commission to speak because they're also realizing like, hey, our soils are kind of important. Maybe we should do something to, to use them. Um, and the beautiful thing also that came out of it, we, we just started um, the Soil Health Coalition of, of Europe, where basically we're also getting together with some of the leading minds in the scene because we were approached by politicians who said like, hey, we think this whole regenerative agriculture thing is important and we wow. want to build the kind of policies around it, but we have no idea how this should be done. Like, could you support us in this process? And that's beautiful. Like, it might take forever. Um, you never know. It might not happen. But it's just amazing that this is now happening. We're, we're formulating this. We're working on this to see, okay, how can we work on the one side, on the ground, for farmers, with farmers, in the dirt, but then on the other side, like, how can we also have an influence on the policy level? 
And yeah, that, that's, mm -hmm. that's what's needed. And that's how it needs to be done. You need some crazy people pioneering and then others realize, oh, maybe this is not completely crazy. Maybe these hippies actually have some good ideas and then slowly it becomes <laughs> mainstream. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And mainstream, we always like to say that being becoming mainstream does not mean you're selling out. It is a good thing to be good big. Exactly. Like if, if you're not, if you're not, um, let's say like sacrificing along the way, like if you start with good morals right. and good standards, like if, to become big, you, you throw them out the window. That might not be the best idea, right. but yeah, if you grow with a business, that's, that's great. And it's working and regenerative. Like, yeah, like we, we need to get away from just saying it's, evil to make a living like if you're making a living with yeah. something that's regenerating the planet and regenerating people I, I don't see anything bad with that right totally yeah. so cool thank you so much for the work that you guys are doing and yeah, it's such a such an incredible organization and uh yeah, such a unique platform too. I think just just yeah, facilitating and opening the conversation and, and creating communities and educating. Yeah, what the world needs. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit crazy. I mean, like two of two of my good friends started it, and then when I joined, there was just three of us, and then a bit later we were five, and now we're a team of over thirty people all over Europe, like working full time on making this mission happen. So. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of crazy people to just say, like, let's just do this. Uh, but yeah, you can actually get things done if you believe in yourself. 100%. Um, how can people find you if they want to connect with you, if they, if they are a crazy person that wants to join your cause? <laughs> Um, um, yeah, yeah there, there, there's different ways. So, so me as a as a person, and a bit more where I'm supporting also individuals on, on more of the like permaculture side, or, or how to set up your your small scale things. That's uh, through Permanic. So on basically all all platforms, uh, you can find me there. Or Nick Steiner is my name on LinkedIn. I'm also doing a bit there. And then Climate Farmers, yeah, that's that's our main organization, which is definitely more focused on, on larger farms and not so much the, the smaller things that, that I'm working on personally as well. Awesome. Well, perfect. Thank you again so much for, for letting us pick your brain and for yeah giving us your time. Really, really appreciate it. And we really appreciate you guys all for sticking around. If you loved this um, chat, definitely connect with Nick and uh, like and subscribe to our channel. We'll be back soon.